Welcome to the Health Channel, all health, all the time. I'm Kathy Buccio coming to you from the Baptist Health South Florida studios. Now today we have a special show with an ultra marathon runner who runs because of her passion to fight cancer. And here to share her story is Karen Lubetsky, a world record holder and endurance athlete and advocate with the Childhood Cancer Project. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. What you do is phenomenal. I cannot wait to get <laughs> into it. I mean, this is amazing. So while most of us are familiar with the half marathons and marathons, ultra sounds like a whole other level. So what exactly does it mean to be an ultra marathon runner? So you're right, ultra marathon running is a little bit of a, a different sport than marathon and half marathon running. It means anything really over 31 miles. Okay. So I run anywhere from 31 miles to 100 miles and coming up this summer in the desert, I'll be running 135 miles. Oh my goodness. And I think that the first question I always get is, do you stop, do you rest? And the answer is no, you go straight through. 100 miles straight through. Wait, <laughs> wait one second. You do not stop at all. Well, you have a crew following you usually. Right. I have done a few uncrewed races, but in general you have a crew that is following you and what they're doing is they're leapfrogging you. So they'll go ahead two or three miles and they'll be waiting there to hand you whatever you may need. Hydration, especially running in South Florida, one of right. the most important things is hydration and nutrition. So they will leapfrog you and they'll be about three miles ahead and they'll say, how are you feeling? What do you need? And I'll say, you know, I need fresh water, I need water with noon in it, which is an electrolyte drink that I drink, or I need some sort of nutrition. My go-to is always Uncrustables. It's peanut butter and jelly, yes. so it's carbohydrates, it's protein. It's always it's my go-to, only I'm not running <laughs> like delicious, you. It's delicious, isn't it? Right, so, and it comes in its own little carry pouch. It's perfect for endurance runners. Um, and then you just break up the run that way in your mind too. You say, wow, I only really have to go three miles because that's where right. my crew will be. They'll be waiting for me. So you can't think I need to run a hundred miles. That would be a little bit daunting physically and mentally. So right. what you say is I just need to get myself to the next stop where my crew's gonna be. And what they do is they get an incredible workout too. They run next to me and I'll throw whatever I've got trash from, you know, the last things that I might have had, my old camelback, which is how I carry my water. Right. I throw it. They run next to me, they, you know, hand me my new stuff and then they pick up the garbage, jump ahead to the next level. The only time I ever might sit down for a minute or two is if my feet are really wet, I will say to them, at the next stop, I'm going to change my shoes. So they'll have a new pair of shoes, a new pair of socks, sitting, waiting, and they'll just sort of open the car door, and I'll jump in, sit down for a minute, change my socks, change my shoes. It's like a pit stop. Right. Real quick, back on the road and go. Incredible. Now you're a Guinness World Record holder as well for the triathlon races, hauling another person in a Correct. month. So what, which is four, right? You've done four in a month? Correct. Okay, so what does it mean to you, for you to hold this record? So it really means that when you set a goal and you dream big, anything is possible. One of the most important things that I do when I race with my racing partner, Kerry Grusin, through Thumbs Up International is we go out there to inspire other people to realize that the only limitations you have in life are the limitations that you put on yourself. So when people look at Carrie, they don't think, wow, she's an Iron Man. When people look at me, if I'm wearing an Iron Man shirt, they might say, wow, she's an Iron Man. If Carrie's wearing an Iron Man shirt, they might say, wow, she went to support somebody. 
who right. was racing in an Ironman. But actually, we're both Ironmen. And we have completed two full Ironmen together. And we have completed Florida Extreme, which is a three-day, 312-mile triathlon that takes you across the state of Florida, coast to coast. One of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. Wow. And the whole purpose behind it is obviously for Carrie and I to enjoy the experience, but so much more importantly, for us to show the world that when people come together and work together as a team, truly you can accomplish right, anything. That anything is possible. Anything is possible. That is such a beautiful journey with her. Um, I want to know too, is it different when you run with someone though? Is it, what is it? It is. Is it, is it special? It I mean, is special. You know, we have this bond where there's absolute and complete trust. There has to be. There has to be. She has to trust me with her life. I have to trust her with mine. And we actually were racing in Ironman Florida, and the seas were very, very rough that day. And this was our first full Ironman. And we had been training for months and months and months. And the race we knew was going to take us about 16 hours. And we were about 20 seconds into the race, and the seas were like this. And when we swim, Carrie is attached to my waist in a kayak. And the one wave came, and it took the boat up over my head, and catapulted her about 100 feet face down into the ocean. She is unable to move. And um, this must have been extremely scary it for was you. terrifying. 20 I seconds into say, the race. 20 seconds into a race where, you know, we had been training for months. We had been working with oh a group God. of fourth graders, teaching them to not judge a book by its cover, to know that when you come together as a team and you ask somebody for help, that can be a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. And now we were in this situation about 20 seconds in where we, if we had panicked, it was all over. But what really came to pass and what we knew was that we had implicit trust between the two of us. She knew that I knew what to do in that situation. I knew that she knew what to do in that situation. And we both just sort of went on autopilot I started to swim to her, and the rope was tied around my neck, which I hadn't realized. So when I took one stroke, it kind of yanked me back and choked me again. But we had a team and people on the beach, which was probably much scarier for them because right. we were not really thinking about it. We were just, what's our next move? Right. They were watching they were it watching and terrified. It. So they flew in, and someone swam and flipped her. I got to her. We got her in the raft. I looked at her, and I said, are you okay? And she said, of course. Just like that, calm. I have goosebumps. That I have is... goosebumps even this, you know, every time I tell the story or every time I think about it, I get goosebumps. And we just know we can look at each other and know. And I was able to look at her and know that she was okay. She was able to look at me and know we were okay. And we, and we went. Goodness. Now, as we get into our discussion, I want to take a moment to let our viewers know you can call in if you have a question. That number is 855-796-4475. We're standing by and we'd love to hear from you. Now, in 2018, you received the Guinness World Record, but you haven't always been into running marathons, which kind of blew my mind when I read that. <laughs> I started at age 40. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I ran my first marathon a week before I turned 40. And it was sort of my gift to myself. I Very cliche, but I think it was my midlife crisis where I said, you know, I need to prove to myself that my body can still do something, that I can push myself beyond a limit. Right. So I ran my first marathon, um, as I said, a week before I turned 40, and then I was hooked. 
Okay, because <laughs> you went from running one marathon to being an ultra marathon runner. I mean, I think you yeah. proved yourself leaps and bounds on that yeah. one. Okay, so you actually do have an upcoming race for childhood, the, the Childhood Cancer Project, and this is a really special project and organization for you. So what is it, and how did you get involved? So the Childhood Cancer Project is a foundation that is dedicated to providing funding for research for childhood cancer. And in 2015, a dear friend of mine, Joanna, her son was diagnosed with osteosarcoma. Osteosarcoma is a very virulent, very aggressive type of childhood cancer that affects the bones. And the survival rates and the treatment protocols are daunting. And to think about an adult going through that is devastating. To think about a child going through that is just absolutely unspeakable. So we, as a group and a community of friends, circled around Joanna and said, what can we do? How can we help? And I felt really helpless because we were doing research on our own, trying to see how we could help her, what we could do. And the statistics and the research and the things that we were finding left us feeling helpless. Right. So we had some thoughts, what can we do? How can we as a community come together? Joanna Siegel and her family started this incredible foundation to support research because less than 4% of research dollars in the United States are going to childhood cancer research. And childhood cancer is so aggressive. It's so aggressive and you have children who are receiving the same treatment protocols that they received when a child was diagnosed 40 years ago. We're not using the same type of telephones right. that we were using 40 years ago. We're not driving the same type of vehicles that were there 40 years ago. How can we give the same protocol to our children that we were giving to them 40 years ago? So we knew that we had to do something and we had to do better for our children. Are you hopeful for the future of, of treatments based on the research and based on the amount of I am attention that's, br that's brought to the Childhood Cancer Project? Yeah, so the interesting thing is, in the world we live in right now, there's so many incredible nonprofits out there doing amazing things all across the board and you know, affecting every day of our life. And we, as the Childhood Cancer Project, thought we have to do something different. How can we get out there and do something different? So I was very fortunate where I could marry my passion for running with my passion for helping others and for looking at Joanna's son, Josh, and saying, I'm going to do better for you. Right. We're fighting for you. We're fighting for you. You're not in this alone. And through that and the creation of the Childhood Cancer Project, we decided that with these ultra marathons that we could bring attention in a different way and sort of think out of the box and get some attention focused on childhood cancer. Also osteosarcoma, which Josh was battling and he actually just celebrated this week, three years. Oh my being goodness, that is fantastic yeah, news. Oh. And we're so grateful for that. And unfortunately, though, many children with osteosarcoma don't share that outcome. Right. So now we're fighting for all of them. Absolutely. And we decided that the Keys 100, which is a fabled race that takes place, it starts in Key Largo, and we run all the way through Key Largo to Key West, which is 100 miles straight, and it finishes at the tip of the country, which is something very exciting and very unique. Very cool. And you run straight down overseas highway. No trees, no shade, just the blacktop straight down. So we came up with this idea, since it's the Keys 100, for 100 Keys to the Cure, and will you be the key to the cure? Right. And 
fundraising through that mode and sharing all of our journeys with the world. We have some of the Childhood Cancer Project board members who are, you know, my best and dearest friends coming crew for me. And um, they, were, they were live and annotating and narrating through the whole 100 miles, through the 21 hours that that took. Wow. And um, out there telling everybody all about childhood cancer and facts and programs. And since especially osteosarcoma is a bone cancer and many, many, many children have to suffer through amputations, if I have legs and I'm able to, how dare I not? If you have a question, please call in using the toll-free number 855-796-4475. We'd love to hear from you. This hour, we are talking about Karen's passion to run for a good cause, and that is raising awareness about childhood cancer. So how does running for something that is so important to you change the run of a race? So it changes your mindset. You know, I can be 70, 80 miles into a race and it hurts. There's no question it hurts. Right. Everybody thinks like, oh, now you're just going to go run a marathon. Like I'm going to go run the Boston Marathon next week. They'll say, oh, it's just a marathon. No, it always hurts. Yes. <laughs> you know? You're running so, for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it still hurts. So when I was running the Keys 100 last year at about mile 30 and I had 70 miles left but by mile 70 I really was in a lot of pain which I later found out was a stress fracture in my tibia and I and you it, ran on that and I ran on that. I had 30 miles to go oh I goodness. you know had been running for about 17 hours at that point and I just used the mantra and I kept saying in my head this doesn't hurt chemo hurts this doesn't hurt chemo hurts this is an honor this is a privilege chemo is not their choice. And I literally repeated that over and over and over in my head. And when you say that, and when you think that, let me go run a couple more right. miles, no problem. You almost this. think to yourself, what do I have to complain yeah, about? Exactly. I can what, do this. Yeah. How dare I? I have these legs. I'm going to do this for them. It's incredible. Now, are you able to notice the difference that you're making? Have you have you seen other families there uh, at these races yeah, or have people come to you and said something to you? It's been an incredible journey and such an honor. Um, through the Childhood Cancer Project, last year we were able to raise at the Keys 100 a tremendous amount of money. And mm -hmm. through that money, we were able to provide funding for research. And one of the things that I'm most proud of is that we were able to fund what's called a legacy autopsy. So okay. we have funded three legacy autopsies. And what is that? A legacy autopsy is a, an autopsy performed on a child who has lost their life to cancer, mm -hmm. predominantly in this case, osteosarcoma. And one of the most important tools in research is being able to have access to the tumor where the cancer originated. Where it can be studied. Where it can be studied and it can be used to help other families, but legacy, legacy autopsies are very expensive and they can run in excess of $10,000. So families who really want their child's struggle and their child's battle to be able to help another child and another family not go through this, want to perform a legacy autopsy, but in many times they're not financially able of course. because of the incredible financial burden that childhood cancer has already put on their oh, family. They're drowning in bills. They're drowning in bills. Now they've had to watch their child suffer and in many cases lost their child. The last thing that they want to think about is finances, but at the same time they want to make a difference and they right. want that difference to be made in their child's name. Absolutely. And their legacy. So 
One of the most important things that we have done is fund these legacy autopsies for families who could not otherwise afford it, and now they know that their child's struggle right. and battle is not for naught. That really is a gift. It, it was. It's a beautiful it's a gift, gift to be able to be a part forward, of. forward, absolutely. Yeah. Now, if you're just joining in right now and we missed the first segment, uh, you would have learned that Karen actually started running at the age of 40. <laughs> now, someone to think about someone running hundreds of miles, as you say, that's daunting. So how do you get that motivation or someone who wants to get started? How can they find that motivation to not just make a difference, but maybe just to run? So the most important thing is that people say to me, wow, I would love to run a marathon. That's fabulous. But you know what? Start with a 5K. You don't get up out of bed one morning and say, I'm going to run today and go and run five miles because then you're going to get maybe injured. You're going to be incredibly sore the next day and say, that's not fun. I'm not going to do this anymore. But if you get out of bed and you run one mile and you get really comfortable running that mile and then a few days later you run two miles and you get really comfortable there and maybe two, three weeks later you start running three and four miles and you take it slowly and you build up slowly, you can number one, really appreciate how you feel when you run and not be injured and not feel so sore it's and uncomfortable. It's a gradual process. It's a gradual process. Right. I didn't wake up one day and run 100 miles. You know, I, I started with the marathon and then I went to a 50 miler and then I went to some timed races where you run for either six or 12 hours mm -hmm. um, and then to the 100 miles. And then this summer, um, it's the highlight of my running career. I will be running Badwater 135. And, oh my goodness, Badwater. Badwater. I'd already sound. <laughs> <laughs> so Badwater 135 is the world's toughest foot race. It starts in Badwater Basin, which is in Furnace Creek, which is the hottest place on earth. It is in California. So we start at the lowest point in the continental U.S. in July. Wow, you really, I mean, you <laughs> have put yourself in go every, big. yeah, seriously, go big or go home. So we start in Badwater Basin, and um, it is a 135-mile trek with about 10,000 feet gained elevation and finish at the top of Mount Whitney. And it is 135 straight miles. There are only 100 runners from around the world invited to run Badwater every year. And um, I was very fortunate enough to be one of those 100 runners. And of those 100 runners, only 27 are women. Wow. So I am running Badwater 135 this summer in honor of the Childhood Cancer Project and to raise funds for the Childhood Cancer Project. And our hope is that through Badwater 135, every single family who needs a legacy autopsy will be able to have one. Our goal is that all of the research that is going on, there's cutting edge research with elephants right now that the Childhood Cancer Project is very interested in and that we can fund that research right. and that we can find a cure and that we never have to hear another family come to us and say, the doctors told us that there's no more hope. And what an amazing way to do it. Wow. So I imagine that with each race, with each goal, those goals change. They evolve. They do. So <laughs> how do they evolve? I mean, how do they differ from race to race? So I think that the most important thing is that, especially when you're an athlete, that you sort of take stock of your, your health and your joints as a runner right. and all of those things and say, can I do this? Do I have the time to do this 
properly and healthy. I have three children. I have um, the world's most supportive husbands because you can't do this if you don't have that does team your, behind you. Does your husband run? My husband doesn't run, but he is the crew chief every single time. Amazing. Okay, so he's supportive, at least <laughs> there. Okay. He's the crew chief. He's there. You need that. And it's funny. So in, in the Keys 100, um, my two friends who are unbelievable and members and board members of the Childhood Cancer Project, they handle the first 50 miles. And my husband kind of is like, I take over the last 50 because no one else really can be around her at that They're point. Like, I am suited for this job. Yeah. <laughs> I've had about 16 years yes. of experience with this job. So he sort of takes over for that. But I think that, you know, I have to take stock and say, what are my personal goals? Mm -hmm. But more importantly, how can I make a difference with those goals? Right. And for me now, having run over 50 marathons and many Ironmans and the privilege of setting a world record with Kerry Grusin, to me now, it has to make a difference. It's not just about how fast can I run. I, I love to be able to set a personal record and to right, run fast. Right, but the bigger picture is something different. There's a bigger picture. Yes. You know, my, my children are at an age where they can understand. What you're doing, what mom's doing. And how important it is to be a global citizen and to make a difference in this world and to have an impact. And, you know, many people say, well, I would love to help, but I don't know how. And when Josh was diagnosed with cancer, I said, I would love to help. I don't know how. But when you think outside of the box and you can take a passion that you have and turn it into something that can make a difference, then you know that there are no limits in this world and we can all make a difference in a small little way every single day. I love that you say that. I think it really puts things in perspective of how to set those goals. And Karen, if right. we can walk, uh, well, walk us through some of these as well. Your goals have to be specific, correct? Yeah, I think that especially when you say, oh, I wanna go out and run. Okay, well, you might wake up one day and go and run, and you might then not run for another three days and then go run, go run again. If you have a specific goal, I want to run a 5K, and you register for a 5K, that gives you accountability. And you'll say, okay, now I have a 5K coming up in a month from now. I need to make sure I run three days a week or four days a week. You know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I have to run 20 miles a day every day. No, sometimes I need to do that for ultra marathon training, but if you're gonna start out, run a 5K, make it enjoyable, make it specific, and give yourself some accountability. And I think also it's important to make goals realistic Absolutely. and attainable. Realistic and attainable, because if you say, I wanna start running and I'm not gonna register for a 5K, I'm gonna register for a half marathon. Or I'm gonna go to the bad waters yeah. and run. <laughs> Let's go straight <laughs> for it, 135 go. miles. Why not? then what's gonna happen is you're setting yourself up for failure. You might finish the race, mm -hmm. but you're gonna finish the race with maybe an injury. You're gonna be incredibly sore and uncomfortable for maybe two, three weeks after, and then you're not gonna to wanna to run and it's not gonna be sustainable. Mm -hmm. So what you wanna do is take really measurable steps, which you can say, okay, I'm gonna run a 5K, then maybe next I'm gonna run a 10K, then right. I'm gonna run and a And do it timely, marathon. correct? Like give yourself a, a time limit to do it? Is give that important? Give yourself a time limit and, and, a, and set a time because it puts that accountability on Absolutely. top of you where you're not gonna say, hey, I'm gonna run a 5K in six months from now. Okay, well, I can sleep in today because I don't right. really need to worry about it. It's six months away. It's, you know, it's four months away. It's three months away. Unless oh my you gosh, sign up here. for that 5K in right. six months. Sign up for it. Go 
online, find one, and do some things that are gonna make you feel good. So there's um, many, many, many 5Ks every single weekend here in South Florida until we get to the summer months when right. it's a little too hot. And most of them are for a specific charity. And it might be something that's very small and personal to a race director who created it. It might be something big like the American Cancer Society or something like that. Um, but just find one that speaks to you right? and sign up for it and know that the money that you've paid for your entry fee is going to some sort of special project or program that I believe in and you believe in and that will give you even more motivation to go out there and do it. Absolutely. Now, some people run for fun, some run for health, Absolutely. some run for charity. No matter what, getting exercise has its benefits. Even exercising just an hour a week can lower your anxiety. And according to the Organization of Mental Health America, exercise, the benefits outweigh the cons. So the benefits seem endless. So what do you notice from running? So first and foremost, as a very busy mom of three <laughs> and um, all of the other crazy things that are going on in life, you know, you, there are days that you just feel so uptight and anxious and there's so much going on. If you can just escape, it's right. my time. I escape and I say, even if it's, I'm just gonna go out for a half an hour and run. Mm -hmm. And you come back and I have a clear mind and I'm able to be a better mother and a more calm, sane, sane person. <laughs> I've gotten that, that anxiety out, number one. But number two, I really feel that when you're exercising, you have a lot more energy and you feel a lot better about yourself. You wanna eat healthier, you make better choices, and just overall, it gives you a, a more energized feeling to get through your right. day. So for you, it was running. Obviously, maybe right. for some people out there, it may not be running, but how do you find Absolutely. something that works for you? You just go out there and you try it. And like I said, you know, you're not gonna go out there and run a half marathon. Go out and run two or three miles. Mm -hmm. Call a friend and say, hey, Let's go for a run. Let's see if we enjoy it. Run at a pace where you can talk and enjoy it. If you don't, then the next day say, you know what, that really wasn't fun. No problem. The next day, go out and rent a bicycle or use a bicycle if you have one and call a friend and say, hey, let's go get on a bike for a half an hour and find a bike trail and see if we enjoy that. Right. Take a friend. First of all, if you call somebody and you say, hey, all right, we're waking up tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., we're meeting at 6 a.m. to go for a bike ride or to go for a run or to go for a swim, if you know somebody else is meeting you, you're gonna get out of bed. Yes. If you don't have somebody who's meeting you, you're much more likely to hit snooze a few times and not get out of bed. It's about that it. accountability it's that we're about talking about. That accountability. Mm -hmm. But just go out there and try it. There's so many incredible things. We live in this beautiful outdoor playground called South Florida, and there's so many things you can do. Go for a walk. Everybody thinks that, you know, if I'm not running and sweating, that it's not exercise. You can go for a walk and right. get great exercise. Little by little. Just little by up. little. Take a yoga class. Take a spinning class. Grab a friend. Use it as your social time, your me time, and get out there and just move. We're going to talk more about this, but I do want to take a moment to remind our viewers that you can call in if you have a question. That number is 855-796-4475. We're standing by and we'd love to hear from you and share your thoughts on Karen's story. Now, I want to go back to running. Clearly, I'm very obsessed with this, which involves a lot of cardio. <laughs> so while cardio, it's, it's important, the muscle strengthening is also a big part of that. Absolutely. So do you incorporate that into your routines? I do. It's really important to cross train because as a runner, you really are you know, pounding the pavement a lot. And so there's a lot of different things that I try to do. Mm -hmm. Number one, strength training. I hate it. 
I would so much rather go out for a two hour run than to spend a half an hour strength training. But it's really important. You need to balance. have you need to have balance and that's the most important thing. You know, people don't realize that body your body really has so many imbalances that you need to correct in order to be able to run for long distances. So for instance, your core and your back, as soon as you start getting tired, I can always see in pictures of me racing, it's like at mile 10, I'm here, at mile 20, maybe I'm at here. Mile at mile 70, you're like, <laughs> you know, I'm all the way down here and you can tell. So running is a full body sport. Right. And you need to have a strong core, you need to have strong legs. In a 100 mile race and in 135 miles this summer, my cardio doesn't ever give out, but when it starts to hurt, it's usually your muscles. Strength training, right. And so strength training is really, really what important. What do you do for strength training? So I will spend some time, I have a home gym, and I have lots of weights, a lot of um, body weight squats and lunges, and um, I love the, the old school ab roller. So it's just the the round wheel with two right. things and you come out and it looks like it's a piece of 1980s equipment. <laughs> it's incredible. I love it. And homage um, to Jane Fonda. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, I'll, I'll go and do some fun things right. to cross train with friends, like I said, because I hate it. So I always grab a friend and go and do it. Um, I've been doing a, a really fun new class called Cycle Jab, oh, where yes. you cycle for about 25 minutes and then you box for about 20 minutes. Right. Um, I love to go and box and it's a really social fun thing and you know, time is limited and when I have to fit everything in, that's a great way for me to fit in some right. time with my friends too. Okay, I need to know how you train for a marathon though. Because okay. I, specifically, how, are you, how do you train for this 135 mile marathon and also how do you recover yeah so one of the interesting things especially as i get older is recovery is really important and i have to take the recovery as seriously as i do my training so there's a few things how do i train well i'm also almost always in like a sort of state of training mm -hmm. so i think it's important that it becomes a lifestyle and not just hey i want to go run a 5k right you know Great, run, train for your 5K, but when it's over, if you don't wanna run anymore, that's fine, but go do some other exercise. Sort of make it a lifestyle choice rather than just like a, a job. specific date. Right. Yeah, you know, just incorporate it into your week. It doesn't have to be every single day, but incorporate it somewhere into your week. Whether it's your social time with friends, like mm -hmm. I had said, and going out and going for a walk or a run or a bike or a swim, or take a class. There's amazing classes that you can take everywhere and go and do that together. But for me, when I have a specific marathon date, I will usually do it in about a three month block. So I'll be three months out and it, you start getting your base, which is if it's a marathon, you know, I want to be able to really comfortably run 20 miles. That's no problem. Um, get all that done. And then as you move in a little bit closer, start working on a little bit of speed work. Then you incorporate your speed work with some long distance runs. And I have about eight pairs of sneakers that I use because I use different sneakers for every type of distance and every type of workout that I'm doing. And that's another important thing. When you start an exercise regimen, you really need to have the proper equipment. The right shoes. The right shoes make all the difference in the world. We're gonna get more into this and I wanna talk about recovery as well. How do you recover? So recovery is 
really very important and you need to take steps right away. So within an hour of finishing a workout, certainly a race, I always try to get some protein in me, lean protein. It can be anything from nuts to a protein shake to cheese, whatever it may be. But it's very important to get protein into you within the first hour so it can start helping your muscles repair and all the, the little fibers that tear and break during your exercise. Um, a lot of foam rolling, mm -hmm. massage is very important. And there's a million different things that you can purchase at a local running store and just get a big foam roller or they have these little balls that you can then take and just sort of rub out your muscles and muscle recovery. I love Epsom salt baths. At the end of a long day, that's I'm sure really that feels so nice. <laughs> feels so nice, and it sort of helps you wind down and go to sleep. Um, a lot of stretching. Stretching is really, really important, and I have to say, it's probably the most overlooked aspect. So, after every run, to really just take two, three minutes. Sometimes, if you're really stretched for time, it really makes more sense to cut your run three to four minutes short and spend those three to four minutes stretching. In after to make sure that your muscles remain pliable and long and don't get really bunched up. And one of the most important things is that I hear from everybody all the time, oh, you know what, I was running and, and I felt great and I felt energized, but I was always sore and I never felt like I could keep going the next right. day. And that's because of not stretching. So stretching and then one of the most overlooked old school traditional things, ice. That, so ice, you ice, ice after ice. a race. I ice after a race. Especially if I'm at a local race and I'm driving home, I always stop at the nearest gas station and I buy one of those big 10-pound yes. bags of ice. Where do you put I, it? I throw it on the floor a bunch of times so it's broken up. And I always have two towels in my car. So I put one towel under my driver's side seat. I put the 10-bag pound of ice on the seat another towel on top, and I just sit on it and I drive home. So I'm always like all the way up here when I'm driving home. If anybody knew you're sitting on but, a bag of ice. <laughs> now, now they might. But the, the thing is that, you know, the time to ice, the time to drive home when you're really busy, when you can find these little things that are a fix for it, I drive home sitting on a bag of ice all the time. Do what you have to do. Do what you have to do, okay. get it done. So here on the Health Channel, we're always talking about staying hydrated and being prepared, but what does a race like this requires. It's a little different. It's a lot different. <laughs> so it's funny. I, I said that when I go away with my family of five for a week, it takes me a while to pack. When I go by myself to do 100 miles, it takes me a really, really long time to pack. Right. And what you need to do is just really be organized. I always sit down and I make myself a list. This is what I'm going to need. This is what I'm going to want. This is what I need just in case. And I have everything in those bags. Need, maybe I want just in case. So the just in case is always things like maybe a brace for my ankle if my ankle starts hurting. I had KT tape, which is um, kinesthetic tape, which sort of um, you might see people and athletes walking around with like two stripes of tape on them or something. It, it, it can hold together muscles or fibers and really give you an ability to t keep going. So I had that for the Keys 100. Mm -hmm. And when my, my leg really started hurting, we were you able to those tape, tapes. tape up my leg and, and keep going. Um, so you want to always be really, really, really prepared. So for 100 miles and for 135 let's, miles yeah, let's in Let's focus water, on the 135. Yeah. So one of the most important things that I'm doing right now 
is every run that I'm going on, I'm wearing long sleeves and long pants. And Why? I know I'll see people and they're looking they're like, what is Especially she since doing? you're going We're to be in like the Florida. hottest. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just trying to sort of get my body used to being overheated and pushing okay. through overheating. But most importantly then with that comes in your nutrition and your hydration because dehydration will take a runner down and out very, very quickly. Right. You really should always be very slowly sipping water prior to getting thirsty. So, so you that's never what you should get thirsty. your water? So that's what I have here. So okay. I love um, these, these noon hydration mm -hmm. and they have electrolytes and you just take one tablet, put it in a water bottle and just sip it periodically. Every mile I try to take just a small amount and put it in. Because too um, much is not good either, right? Too much is not good either. I mean, you can really flush all of the salt out of your system. A lot of people think, well, I, you know, I'm going to drink, um, say, this much water within, you know, a two or three mile run. And number one, it's going to all sit in your stomach. And then the blood is going to start flowing to your stomach as opposed to your legs, where you really need the blood to be flowing. And you're going to get GI distress. GI mm -hmm. distress is a really big problem with runners. And most of the time, it's what you're taking in and that you're taking in too much. How much you take in really is dependent upon your body weight. But what I try to do is I try to take in about 100 calories an hour when I am racing in ultra distance. Right. Because you never want to get to the depletion level. Because once you're at the depletion level, it's very hard to get yourself back up. To come back up. And the most important thing is planning, planning, planning. And like you plan to eat and those Uncrustables there. <laughs> you know what I found out today is actually National Peanut Butter and Jelly Sandwich Day. Are you serious? I didn't know that until someone told me I'll earlier this morning. I'll have to have morning, my, my uh, Uncrustables yeah. at home. <laughs> so to me, this is my always go-to Uncrustables. They come in little individual wrapped packages and they come frozen. And um, I always wear shorts with pockets on the side so I can put things in my pockets and I always have an Uncrustables there. And you can just open it and eat yeah. half, eat the whole thing. And it's your perfect balance of carbs and protein, right. which is what you really need to keep you going. Now let's talk about the most important tool that you need, which yes. is the shoes. My the right shoes, shoes, absolutely. And, uh, you were saying, actually we were off camera, and you were saying that you can go, they, yeah, you should be replacing your shoes after 300 miles, yes. and in your case, I mean, that's nothing. It's, it's gonna be in about three weeks. Right. So running shoes really should be replaced every 300 miles. Um, you can see that it's important that you have good treads here. What they do is they absorb the shock. And when you're running, especially for long distances, every time you pound, it's reverberating up your leg. And so you need to make sure that your shoes really um, have a good tread and are not worn out. Now, to me, these look like sneakers, right? right. Okay. But so. <laughs> that's just, I'm the average person. I don't right. run. So for you, now, these are all different. These are all different. So you can see that some of these shoes are a little bit higher. If I am going to be running speed, this is the shoe that I run um, a marathon in. This is the Nike Vaporfly, which... Um, I think almost all of the world records for marathons have been set with somebody wearing this shoe. It's wow. really light. And if you pick them up, there's a tremendous difference Ooh, nice. in the weight of the shoe. So this is my long distance running shoe. Oh my gosh, it's so lightweight. Yeah, yeah, it's just a few ounces. Oh my gosh. And so I'm never gonna train in this shoe because it's not gonna give me a lot of support because it is so light, but it will help me get a lot of spring right. off the ground. And so I race in that shoe and I train in this shoe. 
Okay, but I, we only have a couple minutes, and there's really something important I want to bring up is yes. that you actually mentor your son. Correct? As an athlete? Yes, yes. In fact, I have three sons, mm -hmm. and um, my, my youngest, who is 10, just ran his oh first half marathon. That's my oldest. My middle son ran his first half marathon so they're all last runners. year. Yep, and now my oldest son, he just turned, well, he's 14, but when he was 12, he ran his first full marathon, 26.2 miles. Incredible. He's 14, and he's run three full marathons, and he does it to raise money for children living with osteosarcoma. What an accomplishment. And he's raised over $20,000 himself to help fight osteosarcoma, and in that picture that you just saw, the back of his shirt says, I run for Josh. Oh my gosh, proud mom moments, yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> and again, thank you for people like you, Karen, who bring awareness, who are completely selfish to, I mean, to help such a great cause and no, good luck. It's truly my honor and pleasure. And good luck on those bad waters. Thank you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you have to give us an update. So that's all the time that we have this hour, but be sure to join us next time on the Health Channel. All health, all the time. Follow us on social media at All Health TV, and please be sure to visit our website, allhealthtv.com, where you can watch a live stream of the Health Channel and watch videos from previous episodes. I'm Kathy Buccio. We'll see you next time.